0: Today's episode of One Shiny Podcast is brought to you by the Rewatchables Podcast uh, Let's Let's lose the jokes this time. Um, I plugged the Rewatchables last week. We made jokes about A Star Is Born. I was reprimanded swiftly and very strongly. I was told, don't ever do that again. So uh, I'm going to straighten it up here and plug the Rewatchables. In all seriousness, it's a great podcast. Uh, they are doing... I was told they're doing Dave next, which I am very excited for. Love that band. Uh, listened to Dave growing up a lot. Um, so I'm very, very excited to, to listen to this one. I'm not really sure how it's a rewatchables, how a band can be a rewatchables, but, uh, they're going to be talking about the Dave Matthews band, I believe. Um, so check that out folks. Wait, wait, is it, is Dave a movie? is Dave a movie? Yeah, I'm I'm Oh, my bad. Uh okay, so they're doing Dave a movie. Uh, I will say and, and I'm being 100% serious. One of the great joys about subscribing to the rewatchables is you you get to learn about movies you didn't even know existed. Um such as Dave and uh, other other movies that they cover on the rewatchables. What are we going to do? A- a- Rush have, Hour. Have, Rush
1: Hour is very rewatchable. It's on TNT, saying, TBS dude. all the time. I think it's even on Sci-Fi at this point. I mean, they they're putting it on every channel. Can we do Rush Hour?
0: No kidding, dude. Something. The Rewatchables brand at this point is just picking movies and pissing off the internet. And then, like, <laughs> Simmons and Chris and, and Sean are just laughing their ass off at all the people online. That are <laughs> it's actually <laughs> but, genius. Uh, yeah, be that as it may, uh, uh, they are doing Dave, so if you're aware of that movie, um, I, I assume it's good. I, if they, they seem really excited about it, so uh, go check that out. Go subscribe to the Rewatchables. Um the reason we're plugging the rewatchables, Tate, though, is that today <laughs> we are doing something we have never done before on this podcast. Uh, I, I, I don't. Really, should we just wait and set it up after the Woody Durham break? I think we should just do that because the the setup is then going to lead into the discussion, and I don't want to get too carried away. But we we are trying something new. We are doing basically a college basketball rewatchables version, um, and we are going to get into it. Uh, spoiler alert! It's the Duke comeback against yes. Louisville. We're we're basically just going to talk about that. So, we'll 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 explain the premise. We will explain what you're about to listen to. But first, Woody Durham. It's like- All right. It is Friday. It is one shiny podcast. Casual Friday. As we said, leading in to uh, Woody Durham tape, we are doing something a little different today. We are doing a rewatchables and here's the reason why Uh, folks, I don't know if you saw this Duke was down by 23 points with like nine minutes left and they came back and beat Louisville at Louisville. Uh, There's a lot to unpack here tape, but basically like the next day I texted you and I said, we have to talk about this on the pod for a while. Um, the day after that, which was Thursday, I texted you and I was like, we should just make this the whole pod and come up with a concept. And that's what we did. So we are we are going to unpack this because this comeback was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen for a lot of different reasons. Good and bad, uh, funny, not so funny, everything in between. It was something I've never seen in my life. Um, I guess I'll, I'll open my thoughts by saying that I have seen comebacks like this. Like we've seen – 20-plus point comebacks, right, and with not a ton of time left. It's not; It doesn't happen all the time, um, but it does happen. It's, I'm not saying that this is the greatest comeback ever, uh, that the stakes were that high, whatever. There are a few things that made this stick out for me. Uh, number one, it was against a team that was good. Like, Louisville is in the running for ACC regular season title. At, I mean, they were they're they're pretty much dead now. I think that the team has been decimated and they're just probably going to forfeit the rest of the season. But uh this was a very good team they were playing. It wasn't some bullshit team that they came back on. Uh number 2 it was at Louisville uh which is interesting, you know. It's like a true road game in a tough environment. It's a blackout, all that kind of stuff. And number 3 this is the one comeback where uh Duke is down 23. I think like when they were down 17 or 18 or something like that. I vividly remember, and this is not this is not me retroactively saying this. I do remember as I'm watching this game, thinking, "Holy shit, they're going to win," and they were still down like 17. Um, and I don't remember that ever happening when I'm watching one of these comeback, one of these great comebacks that have ever happened, even in NCAA tournament history. Like when teams are coming back, my thought is always like, "They're making this interesting. This could be close. Oh shoot, they have a chance. Oh man, they did it. They won." Like those are kind of the progressions of my comeback with this one with Duke in uh, Louisville. It was like, holy shit, they're going to win. And I look at the score and they're still down like 17. And I was like, I don't really care. They're still going to find a way to win. And they did. And that's just my opening thoughts. Tate, I will, I will give you the floor for now. And then we will get into the, the premise that we're going to do to unpack this thing.
1: I know. I appreciate you breaking down and doing the entire game story. So now that we've wrapped that all up, that is the basketball angle of what happened on the court. That is what we saw. That is what we watched. Uh, and you talked about your whole uh, ride. I mean, it has been a slippery. It's been a roller coaster of emotions just watching the game, and it's been a roller coaster for you. You've been on the slippery slope of journalism. You went full capital mm-hmm. J journalists. You were you were breaking this game down. I mean, you're texting me. I mean, to give background on the whole thing, Tuesday night, uh, Louisville is playing Duke. We know this. I know this. I am in a recording. I'm doing Cousin's House podcast against all odds. This is during the game. And I know that Louisville and Duke are playing. I'm just sort of watching uh, the score on my phone. I mean, because at the start of the game, it was a pretty regular, you know, it was a back and forth affair until about three or four minutes left in the first half and Louisville gets about a 10-point lead. Right. But even seeing that, even seeing Louisville up 10, as as a Carolina person who has watched Duke over the years, them being down 10 at halftime, that is... You know, it's a Coach case special. It's fine. It's going to be okay. They haven't lost on the road this year. This is their best road record that they've had uh, since, I think, 2007, 2008, something like that. They're 5-0. and uh, Just them and Tennessee are undefeated on the road this year in true road games. Um, you know, Maui not included, obviously. So all of this is setting up for potentially— you know a, a Louisville upset, but I'm I'm distracted by Harry on Against All Odds, and if you don't know Harry, he is basically <laughs> the butler for this guy Ken, and he has to he does all these errands all the time. For Ken, all, you know, it's just cr- the craziest story. So we're we're on the line. I should be driving home to go watch this game, but instead, you know, Harry's telling me that he has to basically go get coffee, make sure the coffee is 145 between 145 degrees and 160 degrees, and if it's not between those two temperatures, then he basically has to heat it up in the microwave to get it to that temperature. He had to go buy a th- thermometer to basically. Check on the coffee. Uh, and it's a fireable offense, Mark Titus. I mean, I'm dying laughing. So I am so in sky heaven listening to this crazy story. Uh, you know, ba- my mom wants to hire Harry away to be her butler because now Harry is in the butler business, I guess. He has basically become Jeeves. So all this has distracted me from the fact that Duke is losing in a basketball game. That, that's where I was at in my life. And so I'm driving home and I live by the rule. You know the rule. If I don't watch it, it didn't happen in my mind. And Mm -hmm. so I'm driving home, I'm looking at the score. This is about, uh, you know, 17 minutes, possibly in the second half when I get home. And my rule is, if Duke is going to get blown out by Louisville and I didn't watch it, then I can't boast about it. And this comes into the hubris of it all. And then I turn on the game, and of course, they are down 20 points. And it's, you know, all happening, 54-34 you know, uh, I think trade, uh, Zion got a foul, something like that. I think Zion got a foul. Maybe his third foul, fourth foul, 12 minutes left, right? That's when he got his fourth foul with mm-hmm. 12 minutes left. So I'm, that mm-hmm. happened. So I'm watching that, and I'm like, this is all great. I can watch this. This this is all going to play out well for everyone. We can talk about it on the podcast. It'll be a nice, beautiful thing, and now it counts because I'm watching it. And then – slowly starts to chip away and then it happens slowly starts to chip away i'm changing i'm changing the channel i'm putting on the utah jazz warriors game i'm trying to play the cards like oh i don't really care i wasn't actually watching i was just flicking through the channels i'm watching (laughs) the office you know what i mean i'm doing whatever it takes i'm moving seats i'm going outside i'm calling my parents to just make sure good faith and good claws that possibly good (laughs) juju will go to the louisville cardinals at this point because i think that i have cursed them and then i'm looking at my phone then it's five points then it's three points then I have to turn the game back on, and then I see R.J. Barrett pass the ball between his legs for a three-pointer. <laughs> and it all happens right and crumbles in my face. And then from there, we had to extrapolate it out. And you talked about rewatchables. You talked about movies. This is not a movie. This is a film. This is a, a high-caliber <laughs> film. This is the Zabruder film of our time. This is what this game is. Because without Coach Case saying words, there are questions to be asked. There are so many characters at play. There are so many storylines involved. And thank goodness for you, Mark Titus, being a journalist that you are. You've probably watched this mm-hmm. game God knows how many times. And now today we get, to, we get to break it all down. And that yeah. is the beautiful part of all of this because it felt like a... I can't even describe how surreal the moment felt. You know what I mean? Just being there, watching that happen, being in a room, knowing that I was a part of it. And
0: it was, here we are. yeah. It was, it was inevitable. That's why I said, like, it, as you're watching it, you're like, this is definitely happening. Everyone in the arena knew it, too. That was the craziest part. It's like Chris Mack, you could see the life just sucking out of out of him. Every every Louisville player, like, no one wanted the ball. It was incredible. Um, As you said, I rewatched it. So I, I always get fascinated with these things because I, I love to play the what-if game. It's, it's completely, like, a destructive for your mind, especially if you're a fan of one of these teams. But I love going back and, like, watching and saying, like, Okay, if this guy didn't throw the ball away here, could they have won? Is that was that the pivotal like where was the pivotal moment? What if uh instead of dribbling off his foot, he just held the ball and, and called timeout? Like would that have won Louisville a game? I am fascinated with all that stuff, not just with this game, with, with any time something like this happens. So I was going back and rewatching it, and then I just started like making notes on all the little things that were happening. That if, if XYZ went differently, Louisville probably wins. And then I realized I have like five pages of notes and I was like, holy shit, this is insane. And then you're at the Zapruder film was absolutely right because that's what it became. I'm sitting here like going frame by frame with shit. Like the, uh, the Kristen Cunningham, the, the, he gets the offensive rebound in the corner by Duke's bench. And then he slips. I'm over here. Like I'm, I'm literally going frame by frame, trying to figure out if he actually slipped or did he roll his ankle and he blamed it on wet floor. Um, this became, I be, I became very, very obsessed with this comeback, uh, because it was just, it was perfect. It was, this is the second time this season that Duke has just psychologically, not, not just won, but psychologically destroyed one of the teams from Kentucky. They did it to Kentucky to start the season where it was like, they didn't just win. It looks like they just completely ripped their heart and brain out and then tied them together and stuck them back in their body. And were like. Go enjoy the rest of the season, Kentucky. That's what they did to Louisville. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen with Louisville. Uh, so as all this was happening, I was texting you, and I had this idea for the podcast, which is we basically just rewatched the last 941, um, which is when Zion checked back in. And I can set the stage. Before we get into it, I can set the stage of, of when the comeback actually started. Uh, but rewatch the whole comeback and power rank all the characters from the comeback. Um, this is the idea I have. This is the idea that we're going to do. And I guess the, the other way I would package it, Tate, is this. is like when they make a 30 for 30 on this comeback, who are the people that you want interviewed because of their role in the comeback as you're watching it happen? So this could be players. This could be coaches. This could be fans. This could be commentators. This could be mascots. Um, just as you're watching it, who are the things that, that caught your eye? This is the concept, and this is what we're going to do today. We're going to do this for the entire podcast because, again, I have spent, I, 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 I shit you not, I've watched the, the entire nine minutes and 41 seconds at least 10 times, at least. And I've taken, I, I I have 12 pages of notes in front of me and I'm not lying about that either. I have 12 fucking pages of notes.
1: <laughs> what if I told you the top dogs became the biggest underdogs? <laughs> dot, 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 dot. With Zion dun, dun, dun. just dunking and grabbing the ball and becoming a mean. I mean, basically the way to look at this is we are the 32 people in Dealey Plaza we are Abraham Zabruder, yes. and this is, in if, if you say it like Sheshevsky, you know what I mean? This is the Zabruder film. This is the Coach K examination <laughs> of everything that he put together here. This could be possibly ESPN's greatest scripted content that they've ever put together. We are not sure what this is, but we know... At least we don't just have 26 seconds. We have basically 12 minutes of glory in actual game time where this all Uh plays out in front of America, in front of our faces. And now we get to break down our top 10 and work through it because it honestly needs to be worked through. I mean, I don't know what the value is. I know they sold the the Zabruda film for like $150,000. I don't know what the value of this actual (laughs) footage is, but I know it must be high. Because Zion, Zion <laughs> I mean, even even the meme of Zion grabbing the basketball that came out of this game, everything, it just it was too perfectly scripted. You know what I mean? Him squeezing the ball, a, a full inflated basketball. He's putting a major din in, you know, and it's on everywhere. It's on Hot New Hip Hop. It's on literally every single meme page you could ever see, you know, Bleacher Report, whatever it may be. It's everywhere. I mean this story is everywhere and and they just made now they are the biggest story in college basketball for a, a major comeback and they also had the biggest beatdown of the year. They've taken every storyline.
0: Jordan uh yeah Jordan Aura and that Jordan Warren in that picture of Zion squeezing the ball his, his head is going back into the left. I don't know if you noticed that. Um this is this is an American <laughs> atrocity. You're absolutely right. This is for you especially for you. This is a horror story unfolding. Uh, I did, Listen, I don't know if people are going to enjoy this episode of the podcast, but I'm going to say this today. I'm, I'm not sure I will ever have as much fun recording an episode <laughs> of One Shining Podcast as we're about to have right here. Um, so let, let's set the stage for everybody and then we will get into power ranking our uh, our top 10 guy because there are people that didn't watch the game. There are people that didn't re- certainly I guarantee there's nobody who has watched the final nine minutes as as many times as I have, maybe Chris Mack, <laughs> just in a dark room, just like crying, eating a tub of ice cream. I think if you're Chris Mack, neck. you
1: pull the Kevin Keats where you know he was like, I'm just going to throw the tape out on this one. I, I don't yeah. think he, I don't think he yeah. wants this. I think he I think he just um, got to move on.
0: So with nine minutes and 41 seconds left, Duke is down 59 36. Alex O'Connell drives baseline and steps out of bounds. Turnover on it's Louisville ball now. They 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 hold a 23 point lead and Zion Williamson. And Jordan Goldwire checking to the game. Tate. Yes. Um, As Louisville is bringing the ball up the floor, Reese Davis says to Jimmy Dykes, Jimmy, I'm of the opinion that every now and then a good old fashioned Fanny paddling. This is a direct quote. "Uh, Every now and then a good old fashioned Fanny paddling is good for the soul. If that's true, Duke's soul ought to be nice and clean after tonight because they are getting their tails kicked. As soon as he finishes that quote, Ryan McMahon, uh, Louisville player that that's a great shooter. Jack's um, a shooting three. like ninety five percent. Yeah, wide open three from the left wing. It's a it's a shot that this man always should make. a be. wide open three for yeah. Ryan McMahon. He's probably hitting seventy percent of the time. Right, he misses it, and away we go, Tate, and the rest is history. So that is that is setting the stage, uh, and then Duke makes their comeback, and we can we can unpack it all. I mean, I don't think it's really constructive to like go play-by-play play and all that shit, but uh, let's let's go through our characters of of what happened, how this happened. Who are the people, again, when they make this 30 for 30 and you're the producer in charge of putting this together, who are the people that you were calling first? Let's start with some honorable mentions because uh, I, I jotted down my list. We're, we're going to do our top 10. We're going to power rank our top 10. Um, I jotted down my list of 10 and my list of 10 had 19 names on it. <laughs> so uh, I whittled it down to... I got mine down to like 14 or something, and it was still very, very hard for me to decide. But then I I, I decided, let's just do some honorable mentions. Um, And the first honorable mention I would like to, to I'm going to collectively honor. honorably mention yes. the refs. Yeah. Yes. Actually, maybe a dishonorable mention for the refs, who I didn't think the refs were, were completely atrocious, but they did play a role in this game. Uh, The fact that like Zion Williamson checks in with 941 left, as you said, he had four fouls when he checked back in. This man was not called for a single foul the rest of the game. He did not foul out of the game. In the meantime, he drew five fouls, Tate. He five different times Zion Williamson had a foul called because someone or someone, you know, you don't understand what a drawn foul is. I don't need to explain it to you. Uh, yes. So he did this five times and like all of these I would say three or four were very bad calls. Um, there there was also the uh, the Trey Jones breakaway layup where where uh, Sutton just kind of takes his head off. And that was the one sign of life that we had coach K pop up. Actually, my conspiracy here is that that the refs purposely didn't call a foul on that play because that's what made K jump off the his bench and actively and actually get back into the game and actually coach and pay attention. That if they call the foul, maybe K just stays there and he has no fire in him. But that I got coach, the fire. Going I don't coach K's losers, Zan. 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 I don't coach
1: losers. Okay.
0: Um and then the other thing was the uh, the frame by frame. I mentioned it earlier when Cunningham slipped and coughed it up to Trey Jones Uh, the ref is actually standing right in the guy's way he probably would have slipped anyway but like the ref is on the court like right in Cunningham's way and um, yeah so anyway I wanted to I want to give a shout out to the refs for, for fucking up enough you didn't you didn't cost the entire game obviously Louisville shot themselves in the foot plenty of times but uh, the refs did play a role we don't need them in the 30-for-30, 30 30, though. I, I would be okay not hearing from them. So that, that is one honorable mention I would we like.
1: We definitely don't need interviews with them in the 30-for-30, 30 30, but we should say, I mean, they played They played the role in entertainment where they looked at the clock, they looked at the score, and they said, okay, well, Zion oh, yeah. has four fouls, four fouls. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's going to be able to play in this extended zone where, I mean, Duke basically locked in and they extended the zone out and all Chris Mack was saying, he was like, get to the logo, get to the logo. They could never get to the logo. They could never make a pass. Uh, Jimmy Dykes in the broadcast, he was basically like, if you don't, uh, if, you, if you pick the ball up and don't ball fake, it's a turnover at this point. And that, that was mm-hmm. honestly how it felt the game. It was like, if you picked up your dribble, then Duke was taking the ball away from you. I mean, Zion, it didn't matter at that point who it was. I mean, he was just going to rip the ball. I mean, just rip the ball out and take it. Uh, there was no way it was going to be a foul because at this point, again, you're down 23 points. And let's see what happens. And he had just enough time to make it work. And they got to 69 right on time. And they got off 69 mm-hmm. perfectly. Uh, right on. with two free throws and won the game. It made sense. Um
0: they definitely the yeah, refs definitely were out. aware. I'm I'm with you that the, the refs definitely were aware of the score and the of course time. Uh the, the, the bad one was Zion's uh and and we'll really talk about this play, but uh the and one that was called was Zion goes coast to coast. Uh Wara gets called for the foul. Zion hits the layup, it's the and one and then Zion lets out his primal scream and punches the air. Um mm-hmm. if you rewatch that play, like War didn't even touch him. <laughs> And it was fine because it was cool because it was it was the big comeback. And I think at that moment, it was like every everyone was 100% certain then that Duke was going to win. I think they cut it to seven or something, with like 413 to play, I believe. And, yes, I am saying that from memory. I'm not even reading that off the sheet, which is horrifying that I remember these uh, numbers. But, um yeah, that, that was a bad call. So shout out to the refs. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the rest there. I also want to give an honorable mention, Tate. Um, I, I don't think you had this guy on your list. I certainly did not have him on my top ten, but he's he's worth mentioning. The Louisville fan holding up the the Zion can't dunk sign. Oh yeah. Um, what what a cheese dick this guy was, uh, just chomping <laughs> on his gum. I mean, <laughs> I mean, holy shit. What? Yeah. This guy just.
1: Yeah. He's just he chomping it. on his
0: gum like he's who's looking wor- at the camera. Like, that
1: guy or Papa John? You know what I mean? Like you, those. Like oh, who, who do you want representing you? You know what I mean? That that's pretty much where you're at, unfortunately, that day for Louisville. So I mean, it's like good that you lose Papa John, but bad that you got Zion can't dunk guy because it's a bold thing to to brag about something that you can't do. That's pretty much what that was, right? I mean, we were confused.
0: It was well, first of all, the sign <laughs> makes no goddamn sense. Yeah, exactly. like we get, it he, makes no he, sense. He's trying to, <laughs> Zion can't he's shoot. He's trying to do the thing. Zion. You know, uh, that, that's I don't the new know. the new thing on uh the new thing with college music? game day. Is I don't like know. Co- something else. College game day will rip will will take everyone's sign that's even kind of creative, right? So what, what kids are doing now is they'll they'll make the signs that are just understated and it'll say Zion is not good at basketball. And then everyone's like, Oh my God, that's so funny. Or like Zion is the Toby Flinderson of Duke. And it's like, Holy shit. Everybody hates Toby and I hate Zion. That's so funny. That's perfect. So I think that's what this guy was going for is like an understated, whatever. But the sign aside, Tate, his behavior, like this man knew where every camera was, and he's trying to like get his sign in the cameras. He's chomping on his gum. Like he has no idea what the score is. Cam Reddish hits the uh, the big shot where, where where Barrett throws it between his legs and Reddish hits the three. And then the ball goes out of bounds on the next play. And then uh whatever. They're reviewing some stuff. And this guy's just like smiling, trying to get his sign <laughs> in the picture. It's like Bitch, are you paying attention to what's happening? Like
1: game? putting up the number 1 sign. It's like, it's, it's like yeah. there's a colossal comeback happening right in front of your very eyes. He hasn't looked at it yet. He's only been on Twitter looking at himself like in rewind.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, uh. so those those are the two I wanted to I wanted to mention. I think the rest of the people we need to talk about are on both of our lists. So, uh do you want to do you want to jump right into it? I will I will give you the floor. Who is number 10 on your power rankings? He was of on the, he, the most notable characters,
1: most notable characters. And I will say, I mean, Zion can't dunk guy, uh, no hard feelings, whatever. It is what it is. He got all the TV time. And that's why I, I do believe in plants. You know, I, that's why I believe in this being a choreographed situation, because that guy is just too on the nose for someone that is going to go all over the Internet for no reason. Uh, and also just have uh, this whole other storyline. But that beside the point, number 10 for me who was on your honorable mention list, which I thought was very interesting. And you mentioned him, uh, Mr. R.J. Barrett. And uh, I say this because you're probably thinking, oh, my gosh, are you going to do the classic thing? Well, RJ made a big pass, and that's an assist. Oh, he finally passed. No, that has nothing to do with any of this. Even though I did like that play, and I feel like it may have been choreographed, and that goes back to the whole, we're in some sort of zone here. I mean, Duke was running a zone. We may be in the twilight zone. That seemed like they ran that in practice before because— for R.J. to throw that between his legs and have that whole moment, and it just it was all set up. But back to the main point, R.J. Barrett, he makes a layup with, I think, about three minutes left. So R.J. makes that layup. He does his and-one, yells to the bench. The bench goes crazy. You know what I mean? Duke's back in it. They cut it to five. It's like 66-61 at this point. And the reason that that was great, and that's why it's a moment to me, is because Zion, like you mentioned before, gets the and-one call and gets his moment to do his, you know, yell out, let people know mm-hmm. we're here, we are Duke, here we come. We're back. We're making this run. You know, gets the big moment, gets the cutaway to commercial, you know. Uh, And so RJ, you know, in this moment here, and this is why he's a great character, and this is why we love the RJ Barrett complex. He goes up, gets his last lay in, uh, and is waiting for his and one, you know what I mean, to get his moment to do his scream. This is his time. Uh, this is kind of like when you're doing a, an improv or an ad lib or something and someone just like keeps going on and on and you, you just kind of lose your lines. It's like, that's uh-huh. what happened to RJ Barrett. You know, he kind of got cut out of the scene. Like he was waiting for this, A one and they're like, "No, nah, we got to keep this thing going. This, this is the Zion show. Uh, and so to have him yell it for himself, you know, no one else, you know, no one else is yelling and one, he was yelling and one for uh-huh. himself. Uh, that's why RJ Barrett made my list. Cause he should have been an honorable mention, okay. but that was just pure class. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing. I, I enjoy the Scotty Jordan thing going on with them where there's a little bit of animosity, but they're winning and they do really like each other. It seems on the actual basketball court, but it was nice for him to yell that for himself. Uh, Alex O'Connell should have, you know, someone else should have yelled it for him, but uh, RJ right. Barrett, number 10 for me uh, with the and one shout. What about you, Mark Titus? Number 10 on your illustrious well, list. Started with 19, whittled it down to 10. Who's number 10? for you? We're down
0: to 10. Yeah. Um I would say that RJ did not make my list because he he was he just missed out. He was number 12 on my list. Uh I he, basically because he just didn't play well for most of the game and he wasn't that. But but you 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 have to mention the between the leg pass. That is going to be legendary. That is going to be shown a lot um between now and and the start of the tournament. Uh he had a nice little euro step and then the and one thing, but I just didn't think it was enough because it Barrett did not – get omitted from my list because he was not good enough as a character. It was more that goddamn, we have some characters we have to get to. So, um, I had Barrett at number 12 though. So congratulations, R.J. Barrett. You made it t- to Tate's list. That's good enough. Uh, my number 10 though, Tate is Joey Baker. Um, the, the forgotten about fifth recruit and the and f- the fab five, whatever version of it, whatever the nickname is that Duke is giving themselves, uh, for the recruiting class. This man was a maniac on the bench in all of the right ways. Um, I I am a bench guy. I I famously once sat on the bench for a college basketball team, uh, and so I, I always keep my eye on the bench when I'm watching these games. And Joey Baker stole the show. Um, not only was he jumping off the bench and 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 losing his mind, certainly, um, when I think it was when Reddish hit the three. Yeah, Reddish hits a three over Ryan McMahon uh, late in the game, cuts it to two. Then we get the Louisville girl flipping the the people off. We'll get to her in a second. I imagine she's on both of our lists. Yes, um, of course. And I be. think I'm pretty sure she was flipping off Joey Baker because he was losing his shit on the bench. But beyond all of that, Tate, there was the moment. Uh, so the, when everything started to really unravel for Louisville was when Jordan Goldwire ripped uh, Christian Cunningham in the backcourt, just straight up, just takes his cookies, dives on the floor, throws it to Trey Jones for a layup. Louisville calls their first time out of the second half at that moment. And Joey Baker runs off to the runs off the bench at all the guys on the floor and says, Let's go. I I I assume this is what he said. I was trying to read his lips. Let's go right now. We're doing this. And they were down fourteen they were down fourteen with six fourteen left. Let's do it. So this man, uh, he, he saw the future. He, he was jacked. I mean, I've been in his position before when you're getting destroyed like that. It's, you have a tendency to, to want to just like crawl into a hole and just shut up and not get everyone going. He did the opposite. Uh, shout out to Joey Baker. He had, he brought the juice the entire game and he kept saying, we're going to win this. Let's do this. He was getting everyone pumped up. Um, he's number 10 on my list for that reason.
1: Congratulations, Joey Baker, a guy that came in, uh, you know, basically didn't have to come in, got to reclass, to basically practice with Duke, thought it would be better than playing a senior in high school, and now he's become such a great cheerleader. I mean, another five-star cheerleader for Coach K. He's done it again. Uh, <laughs> he's he, he's developing talent at a, at, a, at a rate that we've never seen before. Uh, all right, number nine, Mark Titus, let's just keep going with you because I'm enjoying your list. I will say this, Kyle. Kyle's sick right now. That's why I can't uh, contribute as much to the – shabruder film but we should say uh your list and all of your notes and everything it really is it's honestly inspiring me i'm just reading back through it right now yeah thank uh, you it, it, i mean <laughs> so number nine i just want to keep it rolling right now so number nine you got joey baker number 10 who do you have at number nine uh i, I okay, think it's, it's gonna to be a guy going? that you just brought up yes good character uh,
0: my number nine my number nine is jordan goldwire who uh objectively might belong a little higher on the list uh he kind of jump started everything. He came in with Zion at 9:41 left in the game. Um is is playing the great defense. Gets gets the two he he started like the two there were two moments that were like the avalanche was starting. And one of them and they they involved the two guys on Louisville that we're going to talk a lot about here in a second. Uh but one of them was uh uh Darius Perry's fallen out of bounds. He throws it to half court. He like it was just a just completely inexcusable play where he's fallen out of bounds by his bench and he saves the ball and instead of like throwing it to his basket or trying to throw it off of uh, I think it was Cam Reddish that was right next to him throwing it off his leg or anything like that he basically just like chucks it down towards Duke's basket and Goldwire catches it in full stride has got a wide open dunk and he blows the layup and i thought there was something endearing about that <laughs> like having a wide open layup like that down by 20 and you just completely blow it um i felt that in that moment i was like i am jordan goldwire i've been there man that sucks uh, but then the other one, like I said, I, as I brought up earlier, he just completely rips uh, Christian Cunningham in the backcourt, throws it to Trey Jones. Louisville calls timeout. That was kind of the moment where Jimmy Dykes is even on the call and he was like, I feel something in the air right now. This is happening. Joey Baker's running out there saying we're going to do this. Uh, Jordan Goldwire just brought, he brought the juice on defense, man. That's a, the, he he belongs on the list. He probably should be a little higher because I think when you talk about the spark and, and um, the like what was the difference in this game, he's probably higher up but that's not the exercise we're doing here the exercise we're doing is like the characters that stick out to us so uh he's he's number nine on my list but if we're doing like a list of who made the biggest difference in the duke comeback he's he's up there like three or four for me
1: yeah, in the actual basketball game, he was one of the guys. Right, I mean, right. Coach K said after the game, he had the best look of anyone on the bench. Uh, and again, we know Coach K wasn't talking to anyone on the bench. He was just looking at people. So he was staring <laughs> He was staring cold, a death stare at Jordan Gordwire. And Gordwire was like, I'm ready to go. Even though he's only played like 300 and some minutes ever at Duke. He's been there two seasons. He's the most interesting person. He was one of those old school Coach K recruits. And I I make the jokes about the five stars and all that stuff. But Coach K, this kid, he was committed to like, it wasn't Western, maybe Eastern Kentucky or something like that, or, or maybe Mercer. He was committed to one of those schools, like a nobody <laughs> school. And, but like Duke has lost to Mercer, so maybe Coach K somehow was like, well, and, uh-huh. and, and Mercer wants him, you know, I'll go after him. Uh, so maybe there was something with that, but he came and visited and Coach K, he committed the day that he came and visited. And I had this belief, because mm-hmm. he was a three-star, kind of out of nowhere. Um, I'm like, what, what is this guy going to do? I don't really understand it, especially with all these other guys they have rotating through. But Coach K still needs the Dante Jones types. You know, he still needs the dirty types that'll go in. And like you said, strip a guy, dive on the floor, do all the dirty stuff, want to play defense, not be afraid of the moment. And Jordan Goldwire is one of those kids— and I mean, this is one of those moments where you're like, oh, OK, well, uh-huh. the Duke has Duke has that little edge that you need, you know, in a tournament game like that to throw him out there and basically say, I mean, they they just decided at one point to click in and lock in and start being as active as possible. And, jo- and Jordan came into the game, even Zion after the game said he was like uh, the main person that sparked this was Jordan Goldwire off the bench. Um, two other he, notes. Yeah, two other notes. Go.
0: Two other notes on Jordan Goldwire. Number one, he locked up Cunningham on the uh, final play after Duke took the lead with like 14 seconds left. Christian Cunningham gets the ball. Uh, Goldwire just picks him up full court and he doesn't pass and Goldwire contests the shot. Um, Locked him up. Love that. Uh, Number two, I don't think he ever slapped the floor tape. Don't lose sight of that. That this is a man who was a defensive spark for Duke in a massive game. And did not slap the floor. And he had every right to in those moments. And chose not to. So thank you, Jordan Goldwire. We love you for that.
1: That's called growth. Uh, and I will say, do you think that Coach K is uh, spiteful enough to get a guy named Jordan just to try to take over the Jordan brand over at Duke? Oh. <laughs> I think he would do that.
0: I'm there not surprised is. by there that. There it
1: is. There, That makes sense now. Now all it's right, all checking out.
0: Who's your number nine?
1: Uh, my number nine is uh, Ryan McMahon. Uh, and I you know, I think he's on your list as well. And you know, I think the reason that he has to be on this because first of all, he's got the looks of just someone, you know, he has to be a character in this film because he stands out, you know what I mean? Not to say that the small mm-hmm. little guy on the court is gonna stand out, but he just does. He, he's an interesting character uh, in the whole world from a looks aspect. Uh, and then also he has the big play where, we have the celebration of a charge. You know what I mean? We have the moment mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, this, this will be, okay, we got it together. We made the defensive play. Ryan has stepped in here. And like you said, he missed that open three. That sort of got the crowd a little. I mean, at, at the time, you're thinking, oh, we don't need that. We're up, whatever. But then you have that little bit of anxiety where, like, you know, we got to put them away. You know, and, and so like Ryan McMahon mm-hmm. is in those two moments where we got to put him away moments. He misses that three. He has the charge uh, block situation. They go and review it. You know, he's in the he's in the the semicircle, which is also on my list as well. That, that is one of the big storylines of, of, honestly, college basketball over the past uh, five or so days uh, as far as the block charge. Do you jump? Do you not jump? Uh, but Ryan McMahon's in the circle there. Uh, he goes down, takes the charge, he's he's defeated, he's upset. After the game, Chris Mack is, you know, you, you talk about uh, relating it back to the Jabruder film. I mean, think about this. Chris Mack, the first thing he says is, I'll take my bullets now at the press conference. I'll take my bullets now. Oh, nice. That's what he said. And and he was just like talking about Ryan McMahon and, and, and trying to keep these guys lifted. <laughs> and, and Ryan McMahon just somehow has become the face of it's like I don't know. It's like David versus Goliath, you know. It's Zion versus McMahon yeah, in my right, head yeah. when I'm thinking about what happened in this game and how it com- completely flipped on its head. Uh, and that's why number nine for me, my character, Ryan McMahon.
0: Well, that 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 flows perfectly into my number eight, who is also Ryan McMahon. Um, nice. And the, my big bullet point. So you you brought up the charge. That is the play everyone will remember. Uh, Dick Vitale is is caught between two minds. He has no idea how to feel. Ryan McMahon is the the, the recruit that Dick Vital famously got to Louisville. he called yes. his buddy Rick Rick Patino he said I'm down here in Tampa I see a kid that can shoot the ball and he ended up at Louisville um, We know this story, but he also loves Duke I, I I would love to know how Dickie V felt about this final play but uh for me it was not the charge state that put Ryan McMahon at number eight on my list. It was the audacity, the balls, the uh, w- whatever else choose choose your term as you see fit the onions for this man to attempt a reverse layup with Louisville up 69-66 and a minute and a half left he goes up with Zion realizes he's about to get his shit just like absolutely sent into like the 30th row Yeah, thrown. puts the shot, shot up so he he tries to do a reverse layup it's a wild reverse it hits off the glass had never had a prayer um and that leads directly into the the, the Duke fast break where RJ Barrett throws it between his legs and reddish hits the three to tie the game. Um, I think that moment has to, if if you're, if you're making a fictionalized version of this game, I think you have to have the Ryan McMahon reverse layup. You have to keep that in the script because that was, that was wild. The you said David versus Goliath. David said, I have two stones. (laughs) (laughs) I have two stones in my pants right now and I'm throwing them at Goliath. And Goliath was like, "Okay, sure, man." <laughs> He's like, <"It, laughs> "And this dude it, it should, yeah. have
1: had, should have had three. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty yeah, much should what have had three,
0: by man. Yeah. Uh. So. So there was that play. There's the the block. Uh. There was also he goes over two, uh, wide open threes. Misses those. Uh. Missed the reverse. Not a great stretch for Ryan McMahon. And then on top of that, the one underrated, the one underrated thing that that maybe I'm the only one that picks up on this because again I I did my journalistic duty here and watching the tape. The play where Cam Reddish hits the three before the three. It's the three before the three. It's the one that cuts it to two um, and then makes the girl flip off the bench. Ryan McMahon was was face guarding Cam Reddish. He was trying as hard as he could. Now Cam Reddish is what, like six seven, six eight, and Ryan McMahon is maybe six feet tall. Um he's he's trying his hardest. Tate, and he's face guarding this guy. He's saying, I'm not gonna get let this guy touch the ball. Uh Duke just kind of throws it up and and Reddish just jumps up and grabs it. And then McMahon takes like one step back, redis dribbles between his legs, and then just sprays him right in the face. And that sucked. That that hurts. So this is this is a stretch that Ryan McMahon would definitely want to forget in his career. I think we can still get him in the 30 for 30. I think it'd be like a John Stark situation with the with the Reggie Miller thing, where McMahon is just saying, Did this dude just did this? He yeah. Just did says this that dude a bunch. <laughs> just
1: did this, is one of the greatest lines in American history. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. So that's it. Ryan 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 McMahon at number eight. Uh who, who do you have at number eight?
1: It's uh, It's been a process trying to f- to work through my list, uh, trying to figure out these guys. Ryan McMahon, I, I almost feel bad. as you're, He did make his free throws, right? We can say that. With about four minutes left, he made a couple Yeah, he free did throws. make two free throws, yeah. So we'll give him one glowing review there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it because we've already. you just mentioned it with the R.J. Barrett three to cut it 66-64. Uh, the Louisville girl flipping off the Duke bench, uh, and I know <laughs> and I agree 100% with the belief that she is flicking off Joey Baker. I just feel like Joey Baker, as much as he may not want it, he is going to get the—he he just fits the face of the Duke guy, you know, the the Leitner, the the Grayson Allen, the J.J., the good-looking, you know, Catholic-looking white kid that's on the bench that is actually really good. And it was also just, you know, acting out, having a great time, being excited. So she's given the middle finger, which is, you know, hardcore, letting it, letting it be known, but also that's exactly how everyone's feeling at that point in that entire arena. So she's exemplifying that. My favorite part is the two guys behind her as she's flicking them off. The classic— we're good friends, but we like different teams. Like, I'm a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, hanging out uh-huh. those two guys, the two guy, uh, you know, throwing up the, I guess, the three sign, trying to throw up some sort of sign. He doesn't know what he's throwing up, but he's throwing up something. Uh, and his buddy is, you know, giving the, oh, shucks, you know, here it goes. And then, this, <laughs> you know, like the very casual look at like, oh, we, you know, we like this team, we like this team. And, but at the end of the day, we just want everyone to have a good time. And then you have the passionate Louisville girl in front of them, uh, this going to Joey Baker 100%, giving him the bird, letting it be known how she feels about what's happening. And I just, I was like, this is a high quality performance. This is beautiful to see. Um, And she deserves all the accolades. She deserves all the memes. She deserves all the hearts and likes and whatever she may get in this world. But uh, I felt for her in that moment because that's exactly how I felt at home. Uh, I was actually staring through my, I was outside when that happened and I was like staring through the glass just hoping that maybe some way this would block reality so they wouldn't think I was watching anymore i'm like you know doing the X, like as if a black cat is walking across from me uh i'm uh, you know i'm doing everything i'm knocking on wood uh, whatever it may take so as she was giving the middle bird uh i felt every moment of that uh in my heart yeah. and in my soul so uh she deserves she honestly should be up higher but she did you know it's it's one of those things where she she's only get you know how many seconds of screen time so not enough well that's the thing dude not enough
0: the, the, the thing about that is she kind of got shafted because uh, she was shown during a live ball. There was not a timeout like like Reddish hits the three. It goes in the camera cuts to her and she's flipping off Duke's bench and then it, it has to cut right back to the action. Now you could say that maybe the director, the the guy running the programming for ESPN saw that she was flipping him off uh, Duke's bench. So he, he went away from her real fast. But the game was going on, so you didn't have time for it to linger. Um, I think that if, if like Louisville calls a timeout there, Reddish hits the three, cuts it to two, Louisville calls timeout to, to gather themselves, and then they cut to the crowd. I think we're getting like a five, six second shot of her flipping it off before ESPN realizes what's happening. But unfortunately, it was during a live ball. So we only got like a quick look at her. Otherwise, she would she would be number one contention, I think, if if it lingered and we really gotta see what happened next. Um, like if she, if she turn around and get into it with the Duke guy, I don't know, but, um, I would have loved to loved to have seen that. Unfortunately, that's not how it worked. I think so to me, that's
1: one of the most beautiful parts of the whole situation too, because the guy, the director in the truck is probably trying to cut to the two buddies that, you know, one likes Louisville, right. one likes Duke. What's going on? How are they feeling now? Are they shaking hands? Are they throwing fists? What's happening? And then instead, she goes off script, and she just gets in the middle of the shot and just starts throwing <laughs> the bird. You know what I mean? That's that is the beauty of what she does in that moment. I I, I think that is why she is a star. You know, she it's it's off yeah. script. That's beautiful. That's that's the Absolutely. Best part about it. Uh, all right. So you where are you? You're you're at number seven now. That was my number seven. We're
0: at number seven now. Yeah. Uh, I have to get it out of. We have to get it out of the way. We have to talk about him. Uh, my number seven on my list is the man himself, Coach K. Ooh. Um, this is a man who as Duke is down 23, it felt sort of like, like Kay had entered the Joe Paterno phase of his career where he is just sitting there making sure he doesn't shit his pants and he lets his assistants do the actual coaching. This was a man who had no interest whatsoever in coaching, no interest whatsoever in calling out anything. Um, this is why he was a character to me. Tate is because even as the comeback starts, the only thing that gets Kay off the bench, and I said it earlier, uh, uh, was it the first of all was the Trey Jones foul. That was like the first sign of life from K was Trey Jones gets hammered. He jumps up off the bench and is yelling foul, foul, foul. Um, then it happens again. Uh, Jordan Goldwire gets called for a foul and, and the ball was like tied up. It was, it was a tie up situation. It looked like it could have been called a jump ball. Uh, they call a foul on Jordan Goldwire K gets off the bench again and he's, he's yelling and he's fi- He he He's getting, he's, you could see the blood flowing. The blood is rushing back to his face. He's, he's rising out of his coffin. He's excited to be there. Um, so it wasn't until the, the Zion and one when Zion cuts it to seven with like four thirteen to play and he punches the air, the, 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 the play I was talking about earlier where Wara doesn't really foul him, but they call it anyway. Cause they're, they're wrapped up with the emotion. The refs are, then you start to see coach K say, Oh, I'll start coaching now. I think. And that was fascinating to me. Cause then he starts calling out plays. You see him like getting more involved and, and calling defenses and all that kind of stuff. Um, I absolutely love that it was it makes him a great character because it's hilarious that they basically cut the lead by 16 points without him saying anything and then as soon as it gets down to 7 he's like, "Ooh, I'm going to slide in real quick and, and take some glory here." This is this is awesome. Even
1: when coach K is not coaching, he is coaching, you know what I mean? Like he's going to get credit for that because uh-huh. he would basically he was giving them the silent treatment, you know? Like you don't you don't deserve to play for me. Yeah, you know you lose. Oh no, those, I mean he said know? he's giving him he was so giving that think? moment. He was he was giving him the cold shoulder, the the Polish cold shoulder that he can give. Sends it to him. It's like Cold War, and Jonathan, Jordan Coldwire is the <laughs> only one on the bench that could catch his eye and motivate him. And Trey Jones is his most beloved player on the floor. I think, he, I think Trey Jones is his number one, uh, you know, just because there was his relationship with Tyus and to Trey. Uh, I, I think he's mm-hmm. close. So that's why he jumped up. That was, that was the one guy that he's always going to have his back, you know. That's, that's Trey. So he jumps up to send a message. And then from there, I don't think that he had to say anything other than run zone. That was the, <laughs> that, and, and that gets right. me to my number seven, uh, the zone. That is, a, that, is, that, okay. is a, that is a star of my entire, uh, the entire script here because Coach K puts out this extended zone and basically makes them, you know, it's basically a pressing style, and they click in. And I don't even know if he decided to do this, Mark Titus. That, that's the thing, because like, I don't think he was even talking to the team. And then I see John, Sh- John Shires going on the radio shows, and he's talking about how, you know, he was so proud of the guys in the huddle uh, basically rallying each other and not and never say no and refusing to lose and, uh, you know, coaching each other up to to make plays out there and to be aggressive and to be active. And I just, I love that Coach K, he was like, I'm, I'm done with you guys right now. You know what I mean? That was a very, <laughs> that was a very, that's a very solid move. Well, you know what I mean? Because he had never, he's never come back like this. He's never been down 23 no. and actually come back because he's never had I don't think I don't think he even believed that it was possible at one point. You know, I think he just couldn't Did believe I? that they got blitz like that. And I think that is why he is such a great character, because he's he's in this sense a flawed character, because even after the game, he, he was talking to Chris Mack. And I mean, the, the classic thing about Coach K, and this is how you know if he's really locked in and thinks that they are the better team and will win. It's how red is his face, you know? <laughs> and in the first half, he had a red face at halftime. I saw him. I mean, that's the classic, like, you would never get an interview with me. I'm going straight back. I'm going to let them know what we're doing wrong right now, but as that game was playing, out with about, you know, 13, 14 minutes left in the second half. You're looking at the bench, and he's white, like you were saying. He's a goat. I mean, uh-huh. he, he, he's, he's, you know, good. like, he he's not mad. He's he's at a loss, is what he is. He's going white walker. He's going and, froze, and... uh and that was that was the beauty of it. And then he came back to life, like you said, and started far, far, far. You know, started calling out the plays, uh, which was good. But zone for me is number seven. Did you hear
0: what? Uh, did you hear what Zion said that K told him in the huddle? Yes. Like as as they were, yeah. He said, yeah, you heard it. He said, uh, you will not be able to wear the Duke practice gear if you keep this up. That's what he told him.
1: Yes. He, he was said, like, he you said, will not be able to do Instagram stories. You will not be able to do. <laughs> you will not be able to wear your D shorts. You're not be able to wear your Duke basketball gear.
0: My my no D numbers. will not be on your chest. Yeah. Yeah. My D will not yeah. be on you your You better shirt. straighten up. And then and then uh Zion and RJ looked at each other like shit, dude. We better we better start playing better. Cause I I, I came here to be on Instagram and wear the D on my chest. So god damn it. Oh that, that's a good one. So where where are we at now? Where are we what are we going to? Number we're at number uh, six. Number six? We're, yeah, we're moving
1: well. We're moving through it. Uh we're, we're, so your number six is I if I have this correct. You have the Louisville girl flipping off the Duke bench. So we covered her. So I do, kn- yes. So we kn- we covered
0: her. I would just like to say yes. I would like to add one more comment on Please. this uh, Louisville girl flipping off. She is my number six. Um, can we call her? the I would have liked to see like, like a the flipper, flapper, yeah, a flipper, yeah, yeah. Is there something with like birds? Like she's a Cardinals fan and she's giving the birds. I don't know. We can we can workshop that one. Um, Chicken head. I would have liked to see. I, I oh god. <laughs> Oh no, sorry. I would have uh, liked to seen her <laughs> been, I, I would have liked to seen her be 10% angrier. Um, she was She was weirdly very calm for someone who was throwing double birds at Duke's bench. Uh, I would have liked to see some screaming, some like some disheveled hair maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that would have really driven the point home, but then maybe not. Maybe it would have been more embarrassing for her. Like the way she did it was kind of cool and she kept her poise and said, I'm pissed off but I'm not going to let it, I'm not bothered by it. I'm cool. It's whatever, but I am mad, but I'm, I'm cool, whatever, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just like trying to think of like what I wanted out of a gif of this, you know, like if we're making a gif out of her flipping it off. I kind of needed to see a little bit more fire. That's all. And that's, that's, that's the one note I have. That's why I had her at number six was, was that it paired with the, the, the fact that it was a live ball. I think if, if you fix those two things, she might be number one for me. So that's it.
1: It was her first take, you know, that's what we got to say. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe she gets another chance. She can do it again. I mean, Double bird is nice, and I mean, compared to the two guys behind her, I mean, it's like a tough section to be, you know, out there going crazy. So, environment plays a factor in this. Uh, but I'm still, I'm still proud of her. I mean, why not? She did it. All right. I don't know. I, I mean, Cam Reddish for me at number six, and I'm gonna say. Because it just seems very unassuming, you know, in the sixth spot. And that's kind of how I feel about Cam Reddish's role. His role is very pivotal in this. I mean, he has probably the, the number one play that goes out to the highlight world, which is the, of course, R.J. Barrett, drop it back, hit the three moment. So in that sense, Cam Reddish has to be a part of the storyline. I still don't really I wish I knew more about Cam Reddish as a personality you know, I get the Zion mm-hmm. interviews. I see the R.J. Barrett interviews. I even see, you know, Joey Baker doing, you know, Duke Planet interviews and talking to the rest of the team. But I don't get enough from Cam Reddish. I don't really know what his personality is. So trying to map out his character is very, uh, you know, hard to do. But maybe that's maybe that's the interesting part. You know, he's a little unique and aloof. Anyways, he hit a bunch of big shots in this game from a basketball standpoint. Those two big threes, uh, like you said, sprayed our boy Ryan McMahon. Um, and, you know, that, that was pretty much... His pivotal and pinnacle moment other than the Mm memeable play. Uh, So, yeah, number six for me, Cam Reddish. I don't really know why, but he has to be involved. So, six, throw him up. And also, I should point this out. Speaking of sixes and speaking of uh, the Devils themselves, Coach K, five (laughs) wins. Five wins against uh, Louisville uh, going into this game. Wins. So, now he has six wins against Louisville. Now his record is six and six overall. Coach K on the season, (laughs) five and zero on the road. Going into this game, ooh, now six and zero on the road. Interesting. We're one six away, and my Makes and that's my pick. sixth pick, Cam Reddish. Uh, there you go. And six, it's gonna six, be six. his
0: sixth national champion. It's gonna be his sixth national championship that he wins this year. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I know. Exactly. Seriously, it's like Tom Brady got 6 Six is all happening around me. Even Michael Jordan um, saying six now.
0: I'm gonna hold off my thoughts on Cam Reddish because I have him. I I thought he was more valuable than you did. You're not wrong. We reasonable mind. Reasonable minds can disagree. Um, but I had I had him lower on the lit my list uh, or higher on my list, I suppose. Uh, so I I will, I will save my thoughts for him. Uh, let's take a break. We're gonna come back. Hit hit the final five. We're starting to get into MVP territory. Um, I think this is going well, Tate. I think the people will enjoy this. Hopefully, we'll Hopefully. see. We'll see. I don't happens. know. Let's take a break. They'll let, let us know. know. Quick break to talk about our good friends at Bud Light. Did you know, Tate Frazier, that not all alcohol products are required to list their ingredients? Mm -hmm. It was news to me. Bud Light is changing the game. They believe that we deserve to know our beer's ingredients, so they put an ingredients label right on their packaging. Bud Light brewed with hops, barley, water, and rice. No corn syrup, no preservatives, and no artificial flavors. Find out what ingredients are in your beer. Bud Light, enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. We got Bud Light to sponsor our podcast. I know. This is great. Look at this. Fantastic. We made it. Fantastic. Back to the podcast. All right. We're back. We're working through the list. Uh, We we have gotten 10 through six out of the way. We are now getting into our top five power rankings of the characters from one of the greatest comebacks we have ever witnessed as college basketball fans in our lifetimes. Tate, I will give you the floor. Who is your number five? Z-I-O-N. Zion. Hey, me too. Same. Same. I have Zion at five as well. Yeah.
1: Nice. High five. Uh, and high and and high to Zion to the world again I mean Zion Williamson keeps reintroducing himself at different levels at different capacities and even after this game this whole Coach K doesn't coach losers that, I mean that whole quote that whole setup the whole him working and getting his team packed refusing to lose I mean Zion does it again and it's I don't know even how to explain it at this point, Mark Titus. Please try to explain it to me because Zion Williamson continues to check it's, every single box and do all these amazing things. And you're here's just waiting explain like it. Trey Young every everyone runs out of steam eventually. When is the when is no, when will know. the steam go away? I see the headlines like Jalen Rose, I, I saw him talking about how, you know, Zion will never win an MVP in the NBA and and like all this sort of stuff and like maybe that talk will happen eventually, like what is his role at the next level? But regardless, everything that he's doing in college basketball, everything that he's saying after the games, everything that he is portraying to the world, Via Coach K, and Coach K is the king of take a quote from someone else and then say it to someone else, and then someone says Coach K said that to him. You know, so uh, Dean Smith probably said that. You know, I, I don't coach losers to him, or Lefty Jurdael probably said that to him like forty years ago, or Bob Knight probably said, "I don't coach losers to him." However, you know, whenever forty years ago, so he said that design. Zion. Zion says to the world, you know, it, it becomes like a a thing. You know, that's just that's Duke basketball. You know, that's the brotherhood. They don't they don't have losers in there. Uh, that's that was a beautiful moment for Zion uh, as far as publicity to move on, um, and then just the basketball itself, what he can do. Uh, I, I Mark Titus, try hey, to explain it to me. I, it's, I'm, I'm done.
0: I will explain it to you, Tay. Uh, do you know? Are you aware of the concept of a vehicle? A uh, uh, manufacturer called Jeep. Yes,
1: Jeep. Yes. Um, okay.
0: So, picture one of those Jeeps moving at ten miles an hour, Ooh, okay. and that is Zion Williamson. Yeah. That's that's the Zion Williamson experience. I love the Jalen comment by the way that uh he won't win an MVP because aren't there like five guys in the league right now that have ever won MVPs? Exactly. Like, like that's such a that's such a ridiculous
1: standard to. I mean, <laughs> there's so many guys that didn't win an MVP. Rasheed Wallace didn't win we MVP. Should, I mean, we, like, you go through all these great players didn't win MVP.
0: I'm gonna say this right now. I've, I I hate to piss on the Zion parade, but he will not be the greatest player of all time. He won't be. So uh you can you know what I'll you, you can I don't even care if you make a graphic of me saying that. And attribute it to me, and put it on Instagram that that I said that I'm I'm willing to stare down the haters. He's not going to go down as the greatest player of all time. Uh, let's get back to the the specific the specific game though. Why I had Zion at five beyond you know he's the national player of the year. He's going to be the number one pick. All that stuff we've talked about him outside of the the the, the nine minutes and forty one seconds. But Zion has to be up on this list not because of what he's done before this moment in time. Uh, I was I was judging solely on these nine minutes and 41 seconds what his role was in all of this. Number one, it was him and Jordan Goldwire that check in together that sparked the uh, the big the big comeback. have to have to acknowledge that. Number two, the fact that as I've said already, he checks in with four fouls and he plays nine minutes and 41 seconds does not get called for a foul, but in the process draws five fouls is hysterical. Um, I think the and one to cut it to seven, that I've talked about a few times. I think that is the play that was a hundred percent removed. All doubt Duke is winning this game, even yeah. though they're still down by seven. It was like, that was the moment, at least for me when I was watching it live, I was like, yep, hundred percent. They're winning this game. No question about it. I don't even care if they somehow lose, like they're going to, there's, there's going to be a way where, where they're going to file an injunction and s- somehow win because they're it's just not happening. You can't have the the, the refs. all the stars were aligned. So Zion played a role in that. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think you 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 add all that up. He he got a lot of rebounds. Um he he was he was good. He w- he was doing he was doing Zion things. He was pushing the break. He uh he had to matter. So, uh that that is that is my take. Zion has been incredible. Uh he he finished with 27 and 12 in this game Tate. I I am ready to definitively say he is not fat, but I also I also want to mention that he's definitely not 285 either. If we can revisit this discussion that part of the reason I thought he was fat is because no man can weigh 285 pounds and do what he does. And I've walked back the idea of him being fat, but there's, he's just not 285. That's, that, that's obviously a lie. Like he's, he's like 255. Maybe I want right? to do
1: some journalists. I, I want to do like an actual, we'll go full Schleybach and figure out like how these, all these listings that they do for all these guys, like the, the politics behind it. You know what I mean? Cause like Zion, yeah. getting 285 on there. Who signs off on that to say that? It's sort of like the forty times, you know, well, like when you come out of high school, everybody the, ran a four <laughs> four, and then when you finally right. you, when you actually get clocked, they're like, all right, you run a four six five. You're like, what? You're like, you check that clock. You know, here's, here's my it's problem. Like that for, it, it, it's like it, Zion. He's just like, I'm two eighty five. They're like, okay, cool, write it down. Yeah.
0: Well, Tate, if they're if they're gonna lie about Hemway in two eighty five, if Duke is, what else are they gonna lie about? You know, <laughs> think about that.
1: I don't know. Read the New York Times. <laughs>
0: Yeah, chew on that one, folks. If they're gonna lie about Zion Williamson's weight, something that trivial, what else are they hiding from us? I don't know. Makes you think. Um, yeah, Zion. Zion is both of our number fives. Let's move it along. We are getting. Oh my God, these these next four are were indistinguishable for me. Uh, the top four is is incredible. I will let you go first, though. Who is your number four?
1: All right, number four on my list, and I'm excited to see your number four because I, I will say back background on this game. Like I said, I walked into the second half of this game, uh, watched it live on the broadcast, and then as I'm rewatching it, and Mark Titus can attest to this, I'm calling you, texting you last night, trying to get on watch ESPN. I'm signing into your Dish account. I am uh, to, to rewatch this game so I can I can catch up on all the film and all the tape. Uh, and as I'm as I'm going through all that, they only have the ESPN. Three feed right uh, on on this watch ESPN that I have. I have no idea why. So I, as I'm going back to watch this game, it's complete silence. You know, it's just the it's a it's the arena uh, noise. That's all it's picking up. So you can hear the moans in the crowd. You can hear a random guy being like. F- you know, uh, uh, you know, something. Uh, something's happened like that's but that's all you can hear. So there's no there's no broadcast. Like I basically, you know, the Reese Davis, Jimmy Dykes experience. And and also, can we just pour one out for Dickie V not being that, that should be an honorable mention. Dickie mm, V not calling this game. Right. Uh, we should. This is something that he should be at. Maybe he was protesting Louisville games because of what they did to, you know, Coach Patino. Possibly that could be his stance. I don't know. But anyways, back back to the whole story. So I, I don't have who your number 4 is, but my number 4 uh in this game is just another player in in the grand scheme of all this. And that's Jordan Nawara. Uh the man uh who made so many shots but also was privy to so many moments uh, on the downward spiral in this game. Uh, And, again, with the Jordan name, I don't know how this is working uh, in this whole storyline, but it it checks out as far as uh, conspiracy and this whole film being together, Jordan versus Jordan. This Jordan was not able to make it work out. Uh, As Jordan Goldwire is getting steals, uh, he is basically having moments of uh they just they just couldn't pass the ball and they couldn't get in the middle of the floor and chris mack is standing there looking at them in just complete disbelief and jordan noir was the guy uh i guess in this case that would be the one to to maybe be the savior for louisville uh in some capacity but that's why he's my number four but i want to get to your number four because <laughs> i i heard lots of yeah. quotes in the highlights and i and i am i am ready yeah. for all things uh your number four please yeah.
0: Uh Yeah, Jordan Ora, uh hits a three with like 10 minutes left. He's the one who he pushes it to 23. He pushes the lead to the biggest it ever got for Louisville. And then he only shot three times in the final 10 minutes. So that's not a bad pick. It was it was sort of like a, a, a pick by omission almost like the absence of Jordan Wara was you could feel his absence. His presence was his absence. Yeah, you were looking at him that's, like, hey, man, what deep. happened?
1: Like, you went yeah. from being the guy yeah. that everyone was passing the ball to and you were running the – and everything. Right. Everything I've never seen something tightened. It, it got so tight butthole in that place. Uh, all of a sudden, you know what I mean? Just – every the air was out of everywhere. And if you were watching the ESPN 3 feed like me, you could just – you could feel it. You could feel it in the room. Uh, just like me feeling Kyle right. over there basically coughing and sneezing <laughs> and, and on his deathbed, you know what I mean? You just can feel what the atmosphere is. But, yes, you're number four from the real broadcast – uh, please tell us.
0: My number four is a man who is quickly becoming a legend on this podcast. His name is Jimmy Dykes. Play the music, Kyle. I've got a little all, the way my feet. all right, Tate. So Jimmy Dykes is is commentating with Reese Davis in this game, and. Honestly, you could make an argument that Jimmy Dykes was the MVP. Um, he certainly my top four are the people that must be in my documentary. Like I like I scrapped the entire documentary if if my top four can't can't be interviewed for some reason. Uh, Jimmy Dykes is one of those guys, so it's kind of a tie for first place with, between the top four. But I had to put him at number four because he is not a player. But part of the reason I have him up high on my list is f- for this reason, tape. With eight eight minutes and thirty seconds left, Duke is down by twenty. It's fifty nine thirty nine. He says it's over, but it's not over. That mm. was his quote. Mm. He he says it's a, and then he doubles down. So Reddish hits a three to cut it to sixteen with seven minutes left, and Jimmy Dykes doubles down. He said, "I told you this was over, but it's not over yet." <laughs> and and he he kept just like bringing that up, and that takes balls because at that moment in time we not everyone watching was certain that Duke was going to win or that even they were going to make it close. Like Louisville could have still won by 25 and then we would all be laughing at Jimmy Dykes for saying it's, it's not over yet, you know, but he was saying this, they're down 20 and he's saying it's not over yet. And then he doubles down again when the, uh, the, the gold wire, gold wire steel. And then Joey Baker runs out onto the court that time out. He, he says it one more time. Uh, that's not even it. That, he, he's also doing the Tony Romo too. Like Ryan McMahon's going to the free throw line. He calls two makes from Ryan McMahon from the free throw line. Not kind of impressive, maybe not that impressive. Ryan McMahon almost never misses from free throw line, but he has the balls to, to say that. He also says while Zion Zion's shooting an and-one free throw, um, th- a free throw after an and-one with about 6.22 left, Uh, he says this, the make will come and so will the press. And he says that before Zion even shoots the ball. And then Zion makes it, and then guess what? Duke presses. So this man was just in tune with everything that was happening. I, I sort of feel like he was Vince McMahon and he wrote the script for all of this Yes, and he, he submitted it to Louisville and Duke and said, this is how you should play this out. This will be great for ratings. And then he just kind of pretended to be shocked by what was happening, but he was on top of it all. So shout out to you, Jimmy Dykes. You were great. Oh, and I left out the best part here. Here's the other thing. Uh game is tied at 69 with a minute, 16 left and they're going to the monitor and you got the, 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 the dipshit with the Zion can't dunk sign, trying to get a sign on, on air and everything. <laughs> And Jimmy Dykes, he sets the stage and he says, it's like tied at 69, there's a minute at 16. And you know what quote he says? He says, and here we go. Boom. And you know how I feel about that. You know how I feel about the late Heath Ledger circa 2008. Um, so that, that spoke to me as well. Thank you, Jimmy Dykes, for your role in this. Uh, Incredible job as a commentator.
1: He was really on top of it uh, the entire time. And I will say this, I mean, for Jimmy Dykes, it's a very smart move because I remember Billy Packer uh in two thousand eight in the final four Kansas was up, I think forty to twelve and uh he, against Carolina and he and he did the class, he was like, this one's over, folks. uh and it was like eight <laughs> minutes ago in, in the first half, and Carolina was down like again forty to twelve. and then they came back and cut it to four, and then he was do- and mm-hmm. he was like, well, I guess ne- I guess you never can say never uh, you know, so if you say it like you know, if you do the Jimmy Dyke, it, it's not over, but it's over. It's over, but it's not over. You know, flip it back and forth. Dude, I, uh, I, I le- That's that's beautifully done.
0: I, I, I left out another great part. Uh, in the midst of all this comeback, he made time to drop an anecdote about how when he was an assistant coach at Kentucky, this first day on the job, he slept in his office because Adolph Rupp's blue couch was in that office, and he just wanted to, like, feel the history. So he t- he slept the very first night on the job. And he, and he was telling this story with, like, seven and a half minutes left, and Duke's in the middle of their comeback. Um, and he just drops that in there. But then on top of that, he's also predicting everything that's going to happen and telling everyone to not turn off the TV yet because Duke's about to come back. So incredible job by Jimmy Dykes. Just, I mean, we love him on the show. I I am, uh, I don't know. I got to come up with a Duffy to give this man because he is, he is bringing it this year. I'm, I'm happy to have him back in college basketball. He took a few years off, I think, to coach Arkansas's women's team or something like that. But he's back, Tate. He's back with a vengeance. Thank you, Jimmy.
1: Thank you, Jimmy. We appreciate who is, you.
0: Who is your who is your number four? Are you already said your number four. Let's move on to number three. That's right.
1: Yeah, number three, uh, for me is going to be a guy that was on the sideline the entire time. And this is just for reaction shots. This is what this is okay. what this is what this man is here for. And that is the face of Mr. John Shire, assistant coach for the Duke Blue Devils, sitting on the bench. Uh he was talking about how no one uh I guess of the coaches was talking to the players, but the players were talking to themselves. I enjoy uh, just and then if you go back and watch the game as they cut to the bench, uh, John Shire is just stoned. I mean, he's just looking straight out as, you know, hello, darkness, my old friend, (laughs) just staring out into the abyss, waiting for something to happen. And then as things are starting to get better, it's just a little bit more life and a little bit more life, you know, taking the glasses off. Looking around, smiling a little bit. Joey Baker's hype. I'm hype for Joey. Dapping up Joey now. You know what I mean? The whole climb of of the experience through that guy. Uh, the just just we don't even need any. We just need just cuts back to his face. Uh, you know. You know, like if we were in the office, just cut cut to Creed real quick. Creed, this is our Creed Braden, John Shire, and we just show him to the world his reaction as he goes on the roller coaster to the top, led by Zion. It's uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Um, and you know, as I said, I just love the idea that the coaches gave the cold shoulder to the entire team. And then they had their own, they basically made them, it was a military strategy. Of course, coach K brings it back. I mean, this was a bomb. I mean, this was not a blip. This was no blip. This was not a a blip. This was a bomb. and he let him hunker down together and Zion let him out. And that's uh and John Shire was there for the whole ride and we got to witness it in his face. So number three for me, coach John Shire. What about you, Mark Titus? Number three. Right. Oh yeah. I mean,
0: that's my number submitted. three, uh, my number three is a man that you already brought up. Uh, Cam Reddish. I think he's, he's, he's high on my list because first of all, he scores 16 points in the final nine minutes of this. That's game crazy. Team. Yeah. Uh, that is insane. But it wasn't just that he was scoring. It was how he was scoring. he, I, I'm pretty sure every shot he took was like an NBA three. He was shooting from deep as hell. He had all the confidence in the world. He had that look of like uh, you, you're playing. You know, you're playing pickup basketball and you're just down by a ton. And you're playing to like 15 or something, and you're down like 13 to four. And you realize like, what's the? We might as well just start jacking threes because who gives a shit? And and suddenly like th- that freedom that you have, knowing that no one on your team can bitch about it if you jack a three and miss it. He had that energy of just like, I have freedom to do whatever I want because we're losing by so much that no one can possibly be mad at me. I'm at least trying to get three points back every possession. Um, and he just kept doing that. And then he hits the, the, the key shot that, that ties the game. He ends up hitting the free throws to win it. Like this guy was all over the place. He, he, there's not enough. There's not enough good things you can say about Cam Reddish. wasn't wasn't as big of a factor defensively, but that was kind of the story. It Was like Duke's. Everyone else out there was was playing the defense, and then they give the ball to Cam Reddish, and he hits the shots, and that was kind of the story of them coming back. But uh, I don't know. I, I had I had zero doubt in my mind, and I, again, I'm not saying this because uh, it's convenient to say it now. I'm telling you, hand to God. Uh, I had zero doubt in my mind when R.J. Barrett threw the ball between his legs that that shot was going in. There's no, there's no world like in, in all the billions and billions of multiverses that exist. Every single one of them, Cam Reddish is making that shot. It was, it was the most obvious thing that's ever happened. Uh, and I don't know, it, it takes a certain amount of balls to to shoot it and and know it's going in. If, if it wasn't Cam Reddish, I'm not really sure if I would have known that that shot was going in, but I just knew just as, as how the game was flowing, all that kind of stuff. So uh, he's my number three, and it's a momentum and shot he, too. He hit- yeah, he
1: he's running right yeah. into that. I mean, it was a it was a perfect. It was all set up for that exact moment. And you talked about it, it's a, it's a RJ Barrett steal and a layup, and then it's a Zion Williamson steal, yeah. and then Cam makes that first three, and then it's you know cuts to 66, 64, and then Nuwara hits another three, gets to sixty nine. Does you know gets to sixty nine? It doesn't win the race yet. Just gets there. Got to get off it, and Duke makes it back. He hits the second three. We're tied. And then, of course, uh, the rest is history. And it also, yeah, it was a big moment.
0: He also hit the three to start the run when they were down 23. He hits the first three to cut it to 20. So he started the run. He ended the run. He in the middle hit the shot that made the girl flip the bench off. This man was very pivotal. Uh, That's why I had him at number three. You can't tell the story without Cam Reddish and his 16 points down the stretch. So that's my, that is my number three. Uh, Let's move on. We are down to our final two, Tate. Now we're getting into the actual Louisville players. This isn't all about Duke. We are getting. At- this is about the Louisville
1: yeah. team as well. This is about the fact that Louisville, if they win this game, they're nine and three in the ACC. Virginia's nine and two. Carolina's nine and two. Duke's nine and two. So they're in the top four of the ACC, vying for a real chance to win the league. And after this, they're like you said earlier, kind of out of it uh, at this point with four losses uh, in the league. So uh, that's all to say, we're getting to Louisville players. So number two for you, Mark Titus.
0: So yeah, we, we are in the Louisville. We are in the Louisville range. Uh, this story, the story of this game to me was actually about Louisville choking her way more than it was Duke seizing it. Um, I, I was talking to my dad about it and my dad brought up the point that Louisville might've been better off just taking a shot clock violation every single time down the floor. He, he made that joke to me. My dad was like, what if Louisville, instead of even shooting or even trying to shoot, just held the ball for 30 seconds, handed the ball over to Duke as the shot clock expired. And then they set up their defense. And, uh, so my, I was talking to my dad about that. And then I saw that someone on Reddit, some, some Reddit user actually like went through and did all the math and mapped it all out. And apparently had Louisville done that, they would have won. It would have been impossible for Duke to win. Had Louisville just basically run the clock down, just run the damn ball, take, take a knee. And they would have won. Four so, corners. Uh, in that regard, in that regard, Louisville is the story. Uh, and, and my top two are Louisville players. Spoiler alert. Um, and my number two is a man who, on on a lot of Louisville fans' list, was probably number one. But I I flipped him. Um, my number two is Christian Cunningham. Uh, first of all, the reason he belongs on this list, it, it's 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 him and my number one are are pretty obvious. But uh, the reason he's up here, Tate, it, is we have these few bullet points. So I've brought up that that gold, the Jordan Goldwire rips him in the backcourt steal. Um, that we we brought that up a thousand times. Uh, he was responsible for that. He's dribbling it suddenly. He just gets ripped. Throw to Trey Jones. Cuts the lead to, to what was it, 14? Yeah, cuts it to 14. Joey Baker runs off the bench. Louisville calls timeout. That was Christian Cunningham. Can't really blame it on anybody else. Uh, we also get, like, 30 seconds later, we get the the Trey Jones steal, goes up for the layup, gets decapitated, no call. Cunningham gets the ball. And for some reason, as he's like dribbling the ball, he's looking back at Trey Jones, maybe to make sure he didn't die or something. I don't really know. Maybe he thought Trey Jones was going to steal it from him. He's looking back at Trey Jones, and then Zion comes in and steals it like it's... I mean, it, it honestly looked like a man amongst boys. It looked, like, it looked like I would look if I was playing against a bunch of kindergartners. He just just runs up and is like, I will take that ball, thank you. And then goes down, uh, gets fouled. So that's not a great look for Cunningham. Very next possession, Zion again dad-dicks him. And Cunningham gets the ball in the paint and Zion just like eats him alive and takes the ball from him and leads a fast break. So this is just like back to back to back. On top of that, we have the slip in the corner where he slips on Zion sweat uh, and costs it up to Trey Jones yet again. It, it was a comedy of errors. And uh, I don't mean to pile on the kid again. Like I, that's not what we're trying to do here. It's just if, if I'm him, I'm just like you, you reach a certain point where you're just like, yeah, I don't know, man it was i i don't know what happened i blacked out i have no idea let's just burn that tape uh i'm never going to speak of this again uh and and i and christian i promise i won't speak of it again but we need to get through this on this podcast so he is my number 2 and
1: it, i mean it is fair that you know he's going to take the brunt of the i mean as we play back this tape you're just like oh my god there's Cunningham there's Cunningham there's Cunningham uh, and you know he just kind of all up in the action of of not so good things. He is on the opposite side. He's the not top ten, not top ten of this whole thing, uh, unfortunately, which is uh you know never what you want to be in. But Chris Mack, like after the game in the whole press conference, he was talking about all these guys. They were just so you know he was he was basically we're not gonna we just gotta get past this. We played with we dominated the best team in the country for however long in this game and to, you know for mm-hmm. in, with tw- in 12 minutes left basically up until 12 minutes left we dominated the number 1 team in the country the best team in the country and we, you know granted we fell apart but we have to take some sort of positive out of that i don't know what you can you know i mean obviously it's it's tough to do that right now as you replay it uh especially with those guys i mean they they they've overachieved i guess i mean if you were thinking about the the Illuminati of the ACC, if they had to have a meeting, it, it was like Louisville had to lose this game for this big moment for Duke. You know, if you're thinking about the whole the whole big conspiracy of this, if they had mm-hmm. a meeting, it's like, all right, well, Louisville, you're going to be able to win at North Carolina. That'll be a signature win for you, Mr. Mack. And then we're going to go down and Duke's going to come to Louisville and, you know, y'all are going to get down early. And then Zion's going to have a comeback. And uh, and then it's going to be all over the news. And we're going to take over uh, the all the basketball headlines, you know, and that and it, that would all have worked out in in, the, in this whole uh, fictitious universe. So uh, Christian Cunningham being the the goat, but not, you know, the, the old meaning of what a goat was, which is uh, he is the right. guy. <laughs> the original version of he, a goat is it wasn't a confusing the most confusing thing in the world that has ever happened it was very happened? confusing like you talk about connotations and not and how that happened and how capitalization i guess can change something but when you used to call someone the goat it was like you know it, 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 that was billy buckner that was the goat you know that was but well, that's a different conversation number 2 for me and i don't know if this is uh, mark titus but we don't, we don't we can't identify who exactly this is but zion williamsons I believe his mother, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But after the game, as they're celebrating, 71-69, Zion gets the ball. Final play of the game, rebounds. Uh, you know, he's going crazy. Cut to the crowd. Cut to Zion. He's looking at uh, what looks to be like his family. I'm not 100% sure. But it, all you could read the lips was her just going, that's what you do. That's what you do. <laughs> And it was just the hypest moment. It, it reminded me when we were at the Jerry Colangelo Classic, and Admiral Schofield just went in the crowd with his family and was going crazy in Phoenix. You know what I mean? It was just a, it was a real genuine sports basketball moment that it, it just felt so pure in the fact that. Zion Mm -hmm. was refusing to lose and, you know, he gets motivated by coach K saying something like, uh, I don't coach losers because he takes pride in that, (laughs) you know, it's like a, it's a genuine competition to that kid. Uh, and so to see that moment and just to have, you know, you know, Zion getting hyped up, uh, from his family like that. Uh, that's my number two, I believe it's Zion's mom, but also whoever, whoever was the big Duke fan that Zion was looking at the crowd and yelling with, uh, that was, that's what you do.
0: It might have been Mark Henry if if he was yelling if if they, if they were yelling that's what you do. It might have been Mark Henry, which is a joke. I understand you have no idea what that means. Uh, Mark Henry is a wrestler, Tate, and that was like his yeah. Thing. It, he was like standing it, in the ring. The only thing I can he really... would fucking destroy someone and just go. That's what I do and spit everywhere and uh, yeah, it was awesome. I know the badass. Hardy
1: Boys. They're from North Carolina. That's all I got in the wrestling world. From there, you know, it's a it's a toss up. All right, so the, we're finally here. Number one, we uh, we've made it. Um, Mark, Tate we have is, made it. It, are you are you staying with the Louisville Cardinals? Are you keeping this? I like that you're flipping this the to a Louisville, Louisville Cardinals. story at the end. This is a nice twist.
0: It is a it is the a Louisville story. Uh, as I said, Christian Cunningham is probably number one for a lot of people. He did not score in the game. He uh he missed the game tying shot at the end, on top of all the stuff I said about him. Uh probably would have been number one for a lot of people. But my number one has to be Darius Perry. Um he is basically the other guard that had the the not top ten plays. And the reason he's number one is, I think, when, when you look at the box score and look at like the damage that was done by the Louisville guards, his probably isn't as bad as Cunningham's is, but his was just more hilarious. Objectively, just like w- w- what the hell was that pass? What are you doing? Um, what is possibly going through your head? This was happening as I was watching Darius Perry. So he has the very first play, the very first sign of trouble in this entire comeback, was um, there's about eight eight minutes. 10 seconds left, I think. Duke Duke is down by 20. Louisville's up by 20. That's how this works. That's how basketball works. So Louisville's up by 20. Uh, Perry gets the ball on the sideline, and I, I think I mentioned this play earlier. He's falling out of bounds by his bench. He thinks he's getting pushed by Cam Reddish. Um, so he's kind of looking for the foul. He realizes that the foul does not come. So he goes to save the ball, and instead of doing... He, he He basically picks literally the worst thing you can do, which is just throw the ball down by Duke's basket and give them a fast break. And that was the first sign of like... Well, that is not good at all. That is a catastrophic play. Luckily, they they came out of that unscathed. Everything was fine. Uh, no big deal. But then we cut to Tate with about 4.13 left. We get the Zion fist pump uh, to go up 7. We've, the, the, the infamous Zion fist pump. They go up 7, the and 1, 4.13 left. Uh, uh, Darius Perry is out of the game at this point. Louisville tries to inbound the ball after the N 1. It gets deflected to the corner. Now, one second goes off the clock. Darius Perry checks back into the game. Ryan McMahon gets fouled, shoots two free throws. Uh, Wara comes down, fouls Reddish on a three. They cut to Chris Mack. It looks like he wants to kill himself. He's like, what is happening? Et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, Reddish is shooting these three, these three free throws, makes the first two, misses the third. Louisville gets the rebound. They give it to Darius Perry, and this is where hilarity ensues. This is the first time he touches the ball since checking back in at 412. He dribbles straight into a trap. That's the first thing he does. Dribbles just straight into a trap. Realizes there's about to be a 10-second violation because the crowd is like losing their minds over this. So he jumps up, throws a cross-court pass to Wara, who is who was being guarded kind of closely by Zion. It's just an absolutely wild, careless pass. The ball gets tipped by both of those guys. Um, it gets knocked back into the backcourt. Cunningham picks it up. Are you with me? You follow me? Cunningham dribbles out of trouble, gets it across the the half court gets it away from the press, all that kind of stuff, pulls the ball back out, identifies, to to Cunningham's credit, identifies that that you got to run some clock here. Pulls it out. It looks like Louisville might finally have a possession where they calm down. Throws it straight to Perry as soon as he pulls it out. Perry, without missing a beat, puts his head down, drives straight into the lane and throws what looks like a chest pass straight to R.J. Barrett. I mean, like, it looked like he thought R.J. Barrett was spotting up, and he threw it right to the guy. Like, R.J. Barrett was shocked at how the ball hit him in the chest. That sequence was by far my favorite of the entire comeback, Um, and for that reason, Darius Perry, you are my number one character. God bless you for that. Again, I don't mean to rub it in, but objectively, that was funny.
1: (laughs) I was, I was gonna, say, I thought you were gonna say for that, and for that reason, I'm out, which would have been great. Uh, yeah. Because yes, that that is like all of it was a, it was a, it, anything that could happen did happen for Darius Perry. Uh, and I mean, Marietta, Georgia, Wheeler High School is where Jalen Brown went. That's where he also went. Uh, I have, I, I love Wheeler High School. Some friends went there, so I know of Darius Perry. So as it was happening, uh, I was, I was, you know, I was in free fall. You know what I mean? It was uh, it was yeah. not fun to see, and the R.J. Barrett pad, you know, it was like the George, it was like Georgetown eighty two. How just crazy! It's like what is going on? Why are you just throwing the ball to R.J. Barrett? What is going right. on here? It was it was almost like he just froze up and couldn't believe that he's like what you know, just like the ball just I don't know. He, it was it was a and uh, then he's a great number one. Dude, he's I, a great star of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, I left out the best part, though, not the best part, because I already said my my favorite sequence, or whatever. But. Uh, then at the end, the Reddish hits the three. We get the uh, the shot, the uh, um, the Barrett to Reddish shot, whatever. The the, the ties it at sixty nine. They throw it into this man, and Perry just does a one man fast break. Tate loses the ball out of bounds on on the baseline by yeah. his basket. With twenty four seconds on the shot clock, like he in, in this in the split second he just loses the ball out of bounds. It was. Again, I don't mean to pile on the guy. I'm just saying, like if we're if we're rank, if we're power ranking guys who want this footage destroyed forever, he he has got to be number one. I think a lot of people would say Christian Cunningham just because of again what what the what the actual damage was, or whatever. But the way the damage looked coming from Perry was uh was worse in my estimation, and that's what made him my number one character from this whole ordeal.
1: Just a sophomore. Uh, there, there will be better days ahead. Uh, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough day for Darius. I mean, it was the Space Jam. We just lost our powers. There, he just, he just can seem like he just didn't know what he was doing anymore. And I've never seen a team just go from. So confident. Everything's going well to just completely locked up and frazzled. And it was all because of an extended zone. And I still, it goes, it just goes back to college basketball. At the end of the day, uh, this a, a zone can mess you up. Uh, and Jim Boeheim knows that. And he's been living off that for a long time. Uh, and they did it to Louisville and Darius Perry. He took the bait and just, they were, I mean, they were taking shots with 15 seconds left on the shot clock, which is uh, which is a whole mm-hmm. nother thing. Uh, but I like that Darius Perry, number one, as the uh, star of this. My number one star and he's always the star as long as he's there. And uh, you were texting me that you did not think that he was there and locked in for a little bit of this game. I I thought that he was honestly in disbelief at what was going on around him. And that that of course is uh, the Sith Lord himself, the honorable Shashevsky, uh, Coach K, <laughs> uh, Coach K. In this game, I think he had. I think he was at a loss. Um, and and not to say you know the that that he was completely aloof or anything. I think that he was giving uh you know he was like you know the Sith Lord himself. He's like just speaking in in the air in the ether to his players on the bench. He's not saying anything, but they can hear a voice in their head that's telling him you know that they need to get out there. They need to be more active. They need to play with their hands. He's sending these messages to his players at at all times, uh, of course. But I think you know you thought he may be dead, but the, the I mean the dead can't die. And Coach K will never be away because he's always there and ready to lock back in. And in this game, this was the perfect example of him just letting these guys, they have proven that they can beat a a team like a Virginia and play a certain way to win, to play discipline. And then in a Mm -hmm. game like this, they've shown that they can be completely decimated and defeated. It it sort of reminds me, like this team could have come back against South Carolina uh, in 2017 in the tournament. You know what I mean? Like they have that sort of talent and also they can actually do it. And this is one of those games where I think coach K had almost tapped out of the game. And then as soon as he saw Zion, I think he's a believer in Zion. I mean, obviously he is, but I I think this was a moment where I think he had even, he was on the verge of just getting ready to go in and lay into these guys and and take that D off their chest. He was that close. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was that close. He was that close. It was a game of inches. He was that close from taking that D
0: away. I had a, I had a couple other thoughts on coach K that that I love that stood out to me as I was breaking down this film. Um, he, he was the first. So when, when we get the uh, Cunningham slip where he coughs it up to Trey Jones and Trey Jones just lays it in coach K calls to the, the Louisville managers to wipe up the floor, big time power move. Uh, this is, this is something we've seen out of him before, but, um, I love that little touch of he's pointing at the slippery spot on the floor. He was fine with the slippery spot when it benefited his team. But then after his team scored, he was like, okay, now let's wipe that up. (laughs) And, uh, he calls for the Louisville manager to come to come wipe it up. He was also Tate. He was very sharp when Ryan McMahon took the, 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 the block that was originally called a charge that decided the game. Uh, K jumps off the bench, points immediately to the restricted arc, says, review that shit, sir, review that shit. And they did. And they reviewed it. So, He's still got his faculties. He's, he's he's still uh He's still alive, Tate. He's still doing it. Thank you, Coach K. God thank, bless you. Thank you, Coach K.
1: You've done it again. Another star uh of, of another great day uh in time in college basketball. I mean, I still can't believe we did it all of this uh and how it transpired. I'm still shocked by it all. Um Kyle, any thoughts? Um, what do you think about this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. But uh all right. Good job, okay. Kyle.
0: Uh l- let me let me wrap this up. First of all, Chris Mack was was noticeably not mentioned in any of our power rankings. Um I I don't know about you Tate. I felt just bad for Chris Mack. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he necessarily fucked up anything. This is a man like the the only thing that was really kind of head scratching in the moment was when he called timeout um at the at the 3:30 or as you're going back like reviewing everything the, the one thing that's head scratching is he burns his last timeout with with three thirty two to play, which uh, they had a media timeout coming. If he just would have waited for the next dead ball, they would have been good, and he could have saved the timeout for another total collapse that he could have used. Uh, but that that came on the heels of the uh, the Darius Perry sequence I was telling you about, where he throws it right to R.J. Barrett, and then Barrett hits the shot and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I get where he's coming from. He's like, I'm not waiting another second. This is this is horrendous. I need to call timeout. Um, yeah, RJ makes a layup. Like,
1: he calls he, a timeout, and then they come out of the timeout yeah, yeah, and turn yeah. the ball over. I mean, and Zion gets a steal. He, he,
0: uh, he, he, he was subbing a million different times. Um, he was he was trying everything he could to to make it work. It looked like he was mad. He was not mad. Like he he was lost. And I think he was like a lot of us, where he's just like, uh, okay, so they're coming back, but it's fine. We'll still win. We'll still win. And then you just slowly see. I think for me, it was the the war of foul on reddish. They cut to Chris Mack, and you see the look in his face of just like. Somebody kill me! I can't believe this is actually going to happen. That we were going to lose this, and then uh, they end up losing that. So that, that's why I didn't have Chris Mack on my list. Like he was sort of a character, but um, I don't know. He he was just kind of along for the ride. He was not. He was not contributing to the story in my estimation. He was just kind of there, and and unfortunately a part of it all. Yeah, he which was a- I guess could be a criticism that he was along for the ride. Yeah, he was forever. a
1: spectator, and I will say I was surprised that, you know, it, I feel like if some cl- coaches it would be more polarizing. I think Chris Chris Mack is the classic good guy where no one's going to say, you know, this is a... Like, no one really pointed to Chris Mack and said it was a coaching fail for Chris Mack because we all observed what was happening. It was just... Uh, I mean, it was, it was beyond coaching like he was he was more of a spectator the entire time uh just walking on the sidelines he had a clipboard in his hand like he said he called that one time out uh and then they get a turnover out of that so uh he tried to make an impact but it just I mean he Um, he said he was taking he was ready to take the bullets and uh he took
0: let me let me rip through some questions for you and to, to wrap this up to to wrap up this great comeback that uh people are are I don't think anyone is even listening anymore at this point. Duke there's fans don't listen to our pod anymore there's, there's and if you're no not way. a Duke fan you're like you're like well, uh, I I checked out at the 1 hour mark but keep going guys. Good luck. Um so a couple questions to wrap this up Tate. When when for you did you know 100% that Duke was winning as you were following along?
1: Uh as soon as they tipped. <laughs> It just t- They went around okay. that way. It was a 99.9% probability that they were going to lose, but as soon as they tipped off, I knew that Duke was going to win this basketball game. Granted, okay. them being down 23 points, I was a little skeptical, but never did I waver. And as soon as I started watching, and as soon as the comeback started, I knew that they were going to win the game. Uh, but the actual moment in basketball terms, that's just in you know knowing how things go in this world terms, I think as soon as Zion hit that jumper... Uh, it it was to cut it to seventeen. Zion hit that jumper. It was like six minutes left. That's when I really knew that they were
0: gonna win. Oh my god! Sutton so hit you're a, on the Jimmy Dykes strain of Sutton, just, Sutton, hit this Sutton. hit a three.
1: Sutton hit a three. Well, Cam Reddish made a three. So then I was like, okay, Reddish has got a little juice going. He made a three. He's he he might get going. We'll see what happens here. But then Louisville answered. Sutton hit a three, and then it was like, okay, okay, Louisville's they're keeping them at bay. Zion comes down and scores, and then your boy Darius Perry. Uh, foul on him, Zion goes in, free throw, boom, boom, bang. And then, and then we're rolling on. And, uh, and then from there, right. it, was, it pretty much was, it was on from there. I mean, then Trey Jones is getting in Goldwire's diving on the floor. Uh, and then are the stars of the show Sutton and Cunningham just start turning the ball over pretty much. <laughs> uh, and that's, and that is, the rest is history uh, from then on out. But right. I mean, wait, I mean, what about for you? I mean, I, I think it's I, my I, answer. I think it's right around there. I,
0: I, yeah, right around there. Locked me in on uh, when Cunningham got ripped by Goldwire in the backcourt. Um, yeah. And then the Joey, I was with Joey Baker. I was on the same wavelength as Joey Baker. When Joey Baker ran out and was like, we're doing this, I was like, yeah, I think you are. That was the moment when I thought, Duke, Duke, is, Duke is winning. I wasn't 100% sure. I was 100% sure when the Zion and one happened and then he, he pumped his fist or whatever. But, uh, the cunning the, the 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 gold wire steel I was like yeah I'm pretty sure sh- I'm pretty sure Duke's about to witness uh here here's another question I just just because we're doing a rewatchables thing right so I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep in the same vein as the rewatchables um who do, who do you wish had a bigger factor in this game Tate who wh- which character was like not really there uh, I mean we kind of brought up Wara, but like wh- what was this game missing I guess for you you already said it I guess Dickie V right you wanted Dickie V there like what would have made this better who who would have made this better Dickie would v- Danny Trejo with Danny Trejo, I've made this a better game. <laughs> I think so. I think, yeah, we
1: needed a celebrity on the sideline, but I was trying to think about who would be the Louisville. Uh, I mean, Papa John, you know, he switched sides. He's gone blue. He's gone Kentucky blue. So we got, he's, he's not there. We got anymore. Bill Murray. Yeah. We got Bill. Yeah. Bill Murray would have been nice. Lawrence. If we get Bill Murray, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence in a box at that game, you know, just hanging out, giving the, oh my gosh, face as things are happening. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that takes it to another level.
0: Um, or Muhammad Ali's family—they go to those games sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if they get all of them, but they, I see them. They get shown a lot. That would have been interesting. We, yeah, I think we needed a celebrity cutaway. I'm with you. At some point after the Zion and one, cut to Bill Murray and just the look on his face, and that would have been great. That would have been perfect. We did. We didn't get that. That's what we needed. Um, who, who, who? Uh, wh- what? What's another rewatchable thing? Apex Mountain or something? Yeah. Who, who, whose Apex Mountain? Was this?
1: <laughs> uh, Zion, Mount Zion.
0: This is Mount Zion. This is Mount Zion. I think this got to be the Jordan Goldwire Apex Mountain, right? Like, is he, is Jordan Goldwire ever having a better moment than this coming in and basically sparking a comeback? And um, I don't know who really cares. It doesn't matter. Yeah. People uh, will remember Jordan Goldwire that's it. from this. We wrapped it up. We did it. We did a long, a very long podcast. I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't know if the people listening enjoyed it, uh, but it was a ton of fun because as I said, I watched this at least 10 times. I might watch it more. Just because, why not? Um, it, 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 it gets funnier almost every single time I watch it. And I'm sorry, I apologize to Louisville fans, but uh, you saw the title on this podcast before you clicked on it, and it's your fault for listening. So uh, don't blame me.
1: Yeah, don't blame the messengers. Uh, and also, uh, I just want to thank you, Mark Titus, for... I mean, this is capital J journalism. I'm really... I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. You worked very hard on this. You worked your way through this. I didn't understand it, and I feel like I do understand it more, but not all the way. Uh and that's why it's the Shabruda <laughs> film. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I think I get it, but also what's all this other stuff about how it's not <laughs> not quite right. What? What is going on here? Um But what? Yeah. It's uh it was the biggest wait what of the year. We've we've been begging for things like this to happen and now that they are happening, we yeah. have to give them their due. And that's pretty much what it comes down to.
0: Um, before we go, shout out to LSU. Uh, I, that was a big win in Rupp Arena. I watched every second of that game. We'll um, wait. LSU has a really good team. That was interesting. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to even acknowledge the. uh, well, I'm not even going to acknowledge it. If I say I'm not going to acknowledge it, why would I say what I'm not going to acknowledge? Um, LSU deserved a win. Great game. Uh, I really like those big guys. They were taking it at Kentucky's big guys. Tremont Waters didn't even play that particularly well, and they still won in Rupp. So that's a good sign. Congrats to LSU. Um. What else did I have? Oh, the the only other note I had here that, we, that I wanted to bring up very briefly was did you see the story that Tony Bennett has not said no to UCLA yet? It I just think makes you think. Just chew on that. Tony's looking for a raise. Give him a raise. Take that, folks, take that with you over the weekend. Just chew on it. Let it marinate. Tony Bennett has not said no to UCLA. He's he's not said no to a lot of things as well, but um including in those things, like he's he has not said no to coming to my birthday party. Um, Tony, you're invited to my birthday party, and I'm just going to keep. I'm going to say that Tony, uh, I turned 32 in, in June. You're invited to my birthday party, and I'm just going to keep saying that he has not said no yet. Still pending. Pod, I'm just going to remind the folks. Still pending. Yeah. I don't know. Invite. Could said. Do it. Yeah. Um. Some games to watch. Kyle. Kyle asked me to say games to watch before we go because he doesn't know what games to watch and he needs to pick out Thank his you. guy for the week. So way to go, Kyle. 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 This Saturday, which is tomorrow, Maryland plays at Michigan on New... at at noon on Fox. That's going to be a good game. Big 10. Yeah. Big 10 title implications. the Big 10 makes no goddamn sense right now. Michigan loses at Penn State, John Beeline gets tossed. If you had if you had oh my god, I almost just went into my Jeff Foxworthy again. You did. There again. It was close. Um if you uh if you had John Beeline and Steve Kerr getting tossed in the same week, if you put any money down on that, uh congratulations on your retirement. Um because my God, the odds of that happening were basically zero. And it happened, Tate. Both of those coaches got tossed in the same week. Crazy. Uh, but the Big Ten is crazy. Uh, uh, a lot of a lot of wild shit's going on in the Big Ten. Purdue just lost at Maryland. Anyway, Maryland at Michigan should be a good game. Iowa State at Kansas State, 4 Eastern on ESPN2. Watch that one as well. Big 12 implications. Let me ask you this, Tate Frazier. Is this the year Kansas does not win the Big 12? Have you thought about that at all? Have you given that any thought?
1: It's not not the year that Kansas will win the Big 12. <laughs> but also, it's a, it's so funny that every single Big 12 game, that's how they open it up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what's up with Kansas? Let's talk about Kansas. I mean, it's the same. Well, I guess, uh, you know, it's the same way with Duke. It's uh, um the Blue Bloods.
0: We have NC State at Duke on, Ooh, that's uh, the on game. Saturday at 6. Torn. That's oh. a really good game. 6 Eastern. Keep your eye on that one, Kyle. That's like what? That's 3% three, that's three your time? starting yeah, to get into uh, yeah just a i can pay attention, day, attention some, then, do some yeah. day drinking at the dark room yeah you can, can watch that one
1: that's the game to watch You can definitely watch that, that is the game to watch because nc state has had some success in cameron and they i mean and they're not going to be afraid and they'll after after duke had that kind of scare maybe they you know lean back a little bit and we saw dennis smith that was still the one of my favorite moments in basketball in the past 10 years was dennis smith dunking that ball at the end of the game in cameron indoor uh and i wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if Markell and those guys get after it uh Kyle, you gotta. Kyle, we should watch that. Let's watch that.
0: You know where I'm gonna be. You should watch that one. Come on. Yeah, we're gonna watch. We're gonna watch Torn Dorn. (laughs) Uh, and then finally, Tate Saturday night Tennessee at Kentucky. Yeah, the big one that everyone, uh, the rest of the world is excited about. The non ACC Torn Dorn, uh, bubble is excited about Tennessee uh, at Kentucky. Number one team in the country going to Big Blue Nation. Um, check that one out. So those are games to watch. That's all I have. Uh, Moses did bark last week. Fuck all the haters that said he didn't. Uh, he is protesting. I said you heard it. I, I talked to him this morning about it. I said, We got a pod later today, Mose. What are you what are you thinking? And he said, I, I read the tweets. Everyone said I didn't bark. Uh, he's sitting this one out. He's protesting. He's sitting right by me and he's just giving me the look. Like, hell no. I'm not playing those <laughs> games. I'm not a piece of he, he he turned into basically Tate when Tate gets upset at the internet when the internet makes fun of him and Tate's like, screw everybody. Pretty much. <laughs> that is Moses right now. <laughs> yeah. Mo
1: Mo's has a seven jersey on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is it uh, we will be back next week apologies to all of you who felt like your team deserved uh, us to talk about you on this podcast um, I hate to break it to you you did not uh, Duke came back from 23 that was awesome I am so glad we got to break that down Tate I don't know it worked maybe we'll try it again with something else uh, hopefully it has nothing to do with Duke because I have a feeling people are going to be annoyed that we talk about Duke a lot but they keep, as Moses likes to say fuck him yeah yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> Duke's done it. They've got the headlines. It's it's not our fault. It's uh, not our fault. Don't blame
0: us. All right, guys. Uh, see you Tuesday.